We are uh, kicking off dangerous prayers, and you, you don't have to be afraid of the word dangerous, but um, there was a quote I read. It sounded intelligent. I think it was C.S. Lewis who asked the question, does your prayer life actually move forward and invite and usher in the advancement of the kingdom of God? Wow, <laughs> that's a big question, right? Uh, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I only pray to make my life better <laughs> or to get me out of a jam, which is a ticket from the cops. I like to I have a, I have a lead foot sometimes. Um, I don't know if God's interested in that. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But oftentimes we pray when life is really hard. Usually um, it, it, it's a medical thing. A loved one got a cancer diagnosis or is in the hospital. Uh, so sometimes um, th- there are several families that are going to experience parenthood for the first time this year. Talked to a couple in the first service. They're so excited to tell me that they're pregnant with their first child. That does make you a believer in prayer, or at least a, pra- a practitioner in it, at least. But, um, but, but I often wonder in our prayer life, are, do we pray in a way that ushers in the kingdom of God, where we get to participate in the kingdom of God. And, and I don't know that we do. And that's not, a, that's not a condemnation. It's an observation because I just don't know if we really know how to. And, and that's okay. It's okay in your life when you're learning a discipline and growing to say, I don't know how to do this. It's o- when you play to your weaknesses and let other people in, then you grow. When you play to your strengths, you're your own man, you're your own woman, and you have to kind of figure it out on your own. In Luke 11, uh, the disciples asked Jesus a question, Um, my version. Hey, man, um, you really know how to pray, uh, and you seem to pray a really long time. Um, We fall asleep when you pray. That's how long you pray. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Can, Can you teach us how to pray? Now, Malcolm Gladwell, one of my favorite writers and thinkers, wrote a book called Outliers. I've, I've shared this stat before. And he researched just how long it takes somebody, uh, how many hours of practice to be an expert in something. And so through his research, he concluded that it takes about 10,000 hours of practice to be considered an expert in something, right? Which is now we know why so few people play professional sports, or so many musicians don't really make it because it's really hard work to be an expert in something. Now, is that what the disciples are asking? Jesus, would you teach us how to pray so we can have our doctorate in prayer uh, so that we would be an expert in it? That, I think, to me, is a very American question. Why would you do something if you can't be the best at it, right? right? This is New England. We have the best of everything. We dominate everything. Sports, food, music, we dominate everything, right? So we're used to the best. Are the disciples asking, will you teach us to be the best prayers? (laughs) In the first century, there are these groups of religious people called Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, In particular, the Pharisees loved to pray like experts, I'll tell you more about that later. But when they would pray, they would pray to draw attention to themselves. And people would be like, man, I just, I, I have to work 50 hours a week. I have to take care of my family. I barely have time to open a physical Bible. I usually Google Bible verses just to get a little bit of God's word in me. Man, I, I can't pray like that. 
are the disciples asking, Jesus, would you teach us to pray so we can be experts in prayer? Or are they asking Jesus a different kind of question? Jesus, would you teach us how to pray, not that so that we could be experts in prayer, but that we could have the same level of intimacy that you and your heavenly father seem to have. Um, These questions, let me talk about real discipleship here, okay? These questions come out of the disciples because Jesus is willing to do life on life with people. This Jesus thing, it's not enough for Sunday morning. In, in, in the Gospels, there's the, um, in the, the Greek language, it, the way Jesus lived his life with his disciples, it, it's described as he lived his life with the disciples in a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. He was that close, which is a whole other sermon, that God would become that close to humanity. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we live that close with other people that are or are not Christians, that's when these intimate personal questions come about. Now, you may be going to Market Basket afterwards. I doubt someone's going to come up to you and say, would you teach me how to become a Christian? That would be kind of cool and weird, too. (laughs) Why? They don't know you. They don't trust you. This is New England. You don't even like them. Right? Why in the world? Uh, too sensitive? Okay, too, yeah. All right, pull it back, Ben. Yeah, all right. I made New Englanders cry. Yeah, we don't, we don't work for Hallmark. We don't like that. What? No. Oh, here's the deal, friends. When we actually take our faith into our week and we're real, these questions come up. But so many times we think evangelism is let me invite my friend to church, get him in a building like a fish in a tank, and then the pastor will take care of him. That's not how Jesus rolls. Jesus lived his life in a way that the disciples would know and would want to ask this question. Right? Like they saw Jesus healing people, water into wine, miracles, casting out demons, which would be really cool and scary to see at the same time. And then people would come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, my kid, he's dying. She's dying. My mom, she's dying. Can you come and heal her? And he would say sometimes, no. Wait, Christians are supposed to be nice. Yeah, and have boundaries. And Jesus said, no, because he had a greater why. And the greater why or the greater yes is I have to go spend time with my father. There were times in the morning where Jesus and the disciples would wake up. And I just like making fun of Peter. So I imagine Peter doing this. They're eating their frosted flakes and their Cheerios. And Jesus walks into the, the kitchen and says, you know, hey guys, I got to. And then Peter interrupts him and says, all right, we're ready. You know, that over exuberant student in youth ministry. We're ready, youth pastor. Let's go to this conference. And we've got, a, <clears throat> we've got a full day. We've got to heal people, water into wine. We've got to cast out demons. We've got to teach them. about. We've got to teach the Torah. We've we got to do all these things. And Jesus says, not yet. I have to go and spend time with my father. Wait a minute. That's not efficient. Spending time with God is not efficient. How do you measure that? Ooh. Now we're preaching to the American church and to me. <laughs> I'll throw myself under the bus. 
Yeah, because like loving people isn't efficient. It will cost you your life. And Jesus was not perplexed or pushed over or like went into this panic attack. Will the disciples not love me anymore? He said, no, I, I need to go spend time with my father. It is good for, listen to this, not, my, not just my spiritual health, but my mental health and my physical health. I got to put gas in the tank. I got to go spend time with my dad. And Jesus made it a priority to pray. And that's what I think the disciples were asking. Jesus, would you help us to incubate that level of intimacy that you seem to thrive on with the Father? Yes, Christianity is about head knowledge, like you should know God's word, but if it doesn't develop your heart, you're gonna turn into a Pharisee. You'll be like bad film, overexposed to the Bible and yet underdeveloped by the Spirit. And the disciples are asking, I want that intimacy. Jesus, will you teach me to pray like you? Which is such a beautiful discipleship question that the disciples would trust their rabbi enough to go, you know what? He's got a connection that I don't have, and I want that. I would hope in 2020 at RCC that, um, that you would look at somebody else here at RCC, maybe someone older in the faith. That doesn't mean numerically at all, because there's younger people here that are more mature than older people here, and there's older people here that are more mature than younger people here. But would you at, in 2020 at RCC uh, just go like, who's farther along the path? that I need to do shoulder-to-shoulder life with, right? Because that's where these questions come from, not from a 30-minute talk on a Sunday morning, right? And I'm not undermining the, 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 the authority and the power of preaching, but I'm highlighting the level of relational discipleship here. I love this stuff, if you can't tell. And Jesus says, sure, I'll teach you how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't, pull out your smartphone, download the Bible app. I'm going to say this a lot in 2020 because I want you to have a relationship with God's word. We ha- like, there's no apologies. We got to know God's word. We got to know where stuff is, what Jesus says, and uh, it, it'll help us grow in our relationship with the Lord. So before we talk about individual um, dangerous prayers, we're going to lay the foundation and really talk about the, um, the benefit of structured and, and, spo- and spontaneous prayers, okay? Uh, there, there is um, value in having a thriving prayer life that has both structure and spontaneity. Uh, there are times in my life where if I don't put um, time with God in my calendar, which sounds so like doctor's office-y, it won't happen. <clears throat> but then there's times where uh, several times where like Brian's leading worship and, and I just start crying. And uh, I, I, in that moment, I just say a prayer to God. Uh, th- there's a moment where like I'm on a date with Crystal and I'm so dumbfounded by why she said yes to marry me, but yet not asking her that. I'm just enjoying the moment and thanking God that he would give me such a gift. Th- there's times where you need to schedule it, right? It needs to be sort of a discipline, but then there's also times where you need to be spontaneous. And depending on your personality, you know which one you're going to thrive in and which one you're, you need to grow in. Now, 
if you're not a Christian this morning uh, and you really want to get like a shot in the arm of Jesus's teachings, philosophy, and the way he looks at life, uh, I would really encourage you to read what's called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Even if you don't like sermons and you like TED Talks, this is like the, the most famous sermon TED Talk, I think, in all of religious historical literature. Uh, and it's a great way to understand not religion, but the way of Jesus. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5 and following, in what's famously called uh, the Lord's Prayer. And in this text, Jesus is um, sitting as rabbis would, and everybody else is standing. I kind of like that. And he's, he's speaking to probably hundreds of people, people that believe who he is, people that don't, people that want to kill him, people that are jealous, and people that want to be around him. And this is how he tells us, it's up for grabs, how to develop intimacy with the Father. He says, when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Social media doesn't really help with that, does it either? Uh, Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard uh, because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Interesting. Jesus teaches how to pray. Got it. Don't be a hypocrite. What? What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a Greco-Roman theatrical term. Men would often um, be the only actors if you went out on a date night and saw a Roman play. And so men would often play multiple roles and multiple characters in in their Broadway play of whatever. And so because of that, they would act uh, a certain character out, then they would have to run back, put on a mask that would portray the other character. Then they would go back, put on a mask, and so forth and so on. What Jesus is saying (laughs) is when you pray, don't put on a mask. This is not theater. Uh, You don't need to impress your father. He knows what's behind the mask anyways. But people that are interested in religion being a show and, you know, pimping out their social media to be celebrity pastors um, want to look good in front of people. And Jesus says, don't do that. If you want intimacy in your prayer life, you have to have authenticity in your prayer life. Like, when's the last, honestly, I'm asking you this, just to think about, when's the last time you were gut-level honest with God in your prayer life? Like, it wasn't like, oh, God, please, please help me. Right? I've done that. I do that often (laughs) if I pray in bed laying down, right? It's, It's easy to fall asleep. You know, Christianity is messy, right? I mean, think about it. We just celebrated Christmas, Like, Jesus' mom is like 14, 15 years old. Junior high girl. The the Roman politicians sent out a decree to kill boys so that this king would not overcome politically the Roman Empire. 
And Jesus touches lepers and blind people and, and women and outcasts and, and, and demon-possessed people, and then he gets obliterated on a cross. Christianity is beautifully messy. Is your prayer life that messy? Or is it just sort of, you know, nice pleated docker pants, very conservative and straight-laced? And if it is, that's fine. But, but Jesus says, don't, don't wear a mask when, when you talk to me. I know who you are anyways. Then Jesus says something interesting. Don't babble. Amen. I cannot read people's minds, right? Don't ramble when you pray. What does that mean? Is he talking about like, you, know, you ever been in a life group and you're like, please don't ask me to pray. Please don't. Hey, Jim, would you want to pray? Oh, man. Right? You've all been in there. I know because I asked you to pray. <laughs> in the first century, uh, at this time, it's not years until after the New Testament's written and solidified, uh, that Christianity becomes a legal religion in the Roman Empire, which was actually Christianity's downfall because it benefited you socially to be a Christian. That's a whole other sermon. At this time, Christianity was not legal in the Roman Empire. You would lose your life if you were a Christian. Hmm. So what does Jesus mean by don't babble? Well, in the first century, Rome worshipped many gods. And we'll talk about those when we go through Revelation at some point. It'll be a blast. All the junior high boys will love it. But when um, men and women who worshiped false gods in the first century prayed, they would ramble. And they would babble and jumble their words. Why? Because of a lack of confidence in their deity. You ever struggled to pray because you're not sure if God even gives a rip, if he's going to listen to you, or if it actually even matters? You see, what Jesus is doing when he tells us not to babble is he's confronting us with his gospel. Because what Jesus is, will do is that he will go to the cross and be murdered in front of his mom and his family, and he will rise again three days later. And Christianity, to my knowledge, I'm not trying to say this to be arrogant, uh, but to be thoughtful, is the only religion that I know of that you can 100% know where you're going when you die. Every other religion has a hook of morality. And Jesus goes, you stink at the morality game. Let me just go ahead and die. I'll take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness which is an ethic that nobody can attain. Even the, even the best moral person who wins the Nobel Peace Prize. Good is not good enough to get into heaven. Righteousness is, though. And that's given to us on the cross. And so what is Jesus saying? Don't ramble. Be confident in the gospel, which is to say, be confident in your trust in me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to prove it in about uh, a year or so from now. <laughs> I'm going to die under the hands of the worst form, in my opinion, of capital punishment. 
You don't have to be like other people who worship other gods or no gods at all, where you just kind of ramble, throw a prayer, Hail Mary, hope somebody catches it. There's a tight end big enough to jump up and grab it in the end zone. No, no, you are a Christian. The Father has sent me to die for you and will rise again three days later. You can pray in confidence. You can be in the presence of love with confidence. You can do this. You don't need a mask. And you, you don't need to babble or ramble on as if God is some man-made structure high on the hills as all the false gods were. Many of these cities in the first century were down in the valley. And so writers of the, the writers of Psalms would say, I look up to the heavens because that's where the false gods were. But David would say, I, I, would, I would look up to higher than the hill. I would look up to the heavens. That's where my God is. He's just a little bit above the pagan Roman gods. If you want a level of intimacy, take off the mask. Have confidence in Jesus, that he is who he claimed to be, and he did what he said he would do. Because number two, anybody, anybody can benefit from structured prayer. And when you start anything new, whether it's a workout, a diet, a spiritual discipline, a life group, you need structure. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody, here's my Midwest. <laughs> I just got back from Cincinnati. Ain't nobody gonna go to your life group if you tell me that it meets on Tuesdays from 7 to 8.30 and you never start on time, right? Especially if I got kids. If it's not predictable, I'm not going. And sometimes it's hard to pray when we don't know what to do. We're like, what do I do with my hands? I'm, I get, God's all around me, I'm freaking out. What do I, how do I talk to him? The first time I took my wife, Crystal, out on a date, I took her to Teak Restaurant in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, I knew it was meant to be because as, as we were driving there, uh, she asked me, where are you taking me? And I said, well, I know you like Thai food, and I love chicken pad Thai, amen, um, and Thai iced tea. And I said, uh, I'm taking you to Teak, and she said, that's my favorite restaurant in Cincinnati. I did not know this. I did not ask her friends. It was just meant to be, right, as they say. But when she came down from her, her bedroom, I had seen red dresses before. I'd never seen her in a red dress before. And my knuckles were white on the way down to the restaurant. I'm like, don't look at her, don't, don't die, don't look at her, don't die. And then we get to the restaurant, and man, we had a good waitress. She took her time. I'm like, just bring the apps, bring the main course. I need something to do with my hands. I don't know what to say. I'm keep eating. <laughs> How do I engage this person? <laughs> right? It's good sometimes to have structure, to know what to do, even when we're in the presence of love. Be it our spouses, our best friends, our neighbors, or even the living God himself. You know, sometimes we think that prayer and spiritual disciplines requires us to be an expert. And sometimes we wish, man, I w really wish I had a prayer life like, you know, somebody else in our church. And, and I just don't really know how to pray. Now, this is one of the few times as your pastor, I'm going to tell you to steal, okay? Steal. Steal from the writers of Psalms. 
There are multiple songs and prayers and hymns that you can pray. Uh, my wife actually does not like praying audibly out loud, but she loves to paint. We, we actually um, have a, a framed chalkboard in our dining room, and she'll read a scripture, or I'll read a scripture, usually out of Psalms, because we, we both think more like an artist and less like a mechanic and um, an engineer. And she'll read a scripture, and it'll talk about rivers and hills and mountains and God's love, and she will draw that and put that in our uh, dining room for, oh, honestly, a year, but we'd like to do it once a quarter, but, you know, life, life happens. There are so many different ways to engage God's word in your prayer life. Like in Psalm 97, I don't want you to read, I don't want you to read this. I'm not trying to inform you. I'm trying to inspire you, okay? So read this and think about uh, the imagery that sticks out to your mind. And we could all have different images. Psalm 97, the writer says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darknesses surround him. Look at this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. That's a different take on Jesus, right? His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord, all of the earth and the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all of the peoples see his glory. Now that's a good prayer. How, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you get to that point? Intimacy. Intimacy. Vulnerability. Authenticity. Taking the mask off. Stop rambling. And just say what's on your heart, whether it's really hard things that you have to say uh, or things that you want to rejoice in the Lord with. And, and think about that imagery, right? I don't know if you guys can throw it up there. If you can, fine. If not, it's fine. Uh, the verses one through two or whatever. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes. Like, just think about that. Jesus sits on a throne, and there's like two bricks, this is where my brain goes, of righteousness and justice. And let that image play. Like, I, I think, like, as Jesus followers, we're not very pr playful. God wants to play with us? That's weird. No, it's not. He created us to think abstractly. And you think about this text, like this verse alone, and you get a, I, I don't pray out loud. I mean, I, I, I do like for work and stuff, but I, I, I prefer to journal my prayers. I could take this verse and just run wild for the next 30 minutes with it. I mean, you think about this. Jesus is a king who sits on a throne with righteousness and judgment. Man, it, do, do I want that seat? Is Jesus really Lord of my life or do I just want to tick it out of hell? Like, Jesus judges people? What? What, what, what? what do I need? Like, how do I need to sit under the judgment of Jesus? Where am I out of line? You see what I'm saying? Like, let, let, let your mind wonder. Play with the text. Engage with the text. This is not a head thing today that we're talking about. This is a heart thing. And you can develop writing in words as you develop your intimacy. 
And honestly, if you're not really sure where to start, like steal from God's word. I mean, preachers plagiarize every Sunday. They, I'm stealing Jesus' sermon right now in front of you. It's happening. Use the scriptures. Familiar yourself, familiarize yourself with the scriptures, and their language will become your language, and the way they word things will become how you word things. This is how you develop intimacy in your prayer life. Here's the third and final thing I want to share with you. Jesus does teach a structure for prayer. There is a payoff, okay? It's coming, and here it is. In verse 9, um, Jesus says this, this is then how you should pray. Don't pray like a hypocrite. It's not Halloween. Take the mask off. Be yourself. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right? There's that C.S. Lewis quote or question that I threw out. Like, is my prayer life inviting the kingdom of God to be ushered into my life, to be ushered into my community? Or am I just praying for my own personal needs, which, which is fine. You should. God, Scripture tells us to do that. But, 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 it, but is there a bigger, maybe, I don't want to say it like that, but I will, a bigger purpose to prayer life? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. Also forgive, uh, as we also forgive our debtors. I want to teach you an acronym, okay? And this is the part where I would really encourage you to write this down. You can put it in your phone. You can write it on the back of your Sunday program. But I will ask you to grab something to write with and this structured prayer card because we're getting ready to move into a time of response. Um, this structured prayer, that I'm, this template that I'm about to share with you, um, I, I've been a Christian for 27 years. I was baptized when I was 10. I still do this stuff because it's not fit. If it's not broken, don't fix it, right? And, and sometimes intimacy needs to be encouraged by simple things, right? Because it's not about perfection of prayer. It's just about obedience of prayer and just being open to talk to your heavenly father. Here's, here's the first letter. The acronym is ACTS. The first letter is adoration. The first word is adoration. And asking the question in your prayer life, what do you love about God? What, like, what excites you about God? Or is God just this sort of big guy in the sky that's, you know, he saved me, but you know, whatever. But no, honestly, what do you love about God? What, what excites you about the love of God, the wrath of God, the righteousness of God, the friends, the church, the people that he put in your life? What do you love about God? Letter C, confession. What do you need to repent of or walk away from? I would, I would argue that the key to a humble life is a repentant life. I tell couples when I do weddings, the shortest distance between you and, you and your spouse is I'm sorry. Then I ask the groom to repeat after me, I'm sorry, right? Yeah, we got to practice repentance every single day. I do, you do, we all, we all do. Why? Because Jesus is on his throne, not me. I don't want to sit on that throne. I can't make those decisions, right? Uh, T, Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for uh, in terms of God's provision or protection in your life? Sometimes we can walk away from God because in our prayer life we're getting no, 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 no. But really no, what no is, it, it, it's a shield about us, right? It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a protection over us. And honestly, in my life, I don't know that God's protecting me until five, ten years down the road. Oh, that's why that relationship didn't work out. Oh, that's why this or that did not 
work out. Uh, what about S for uh, supplication? Is that the next letter? Yeah, X. S for supplication. What do you want to ask God? To ha- where do you want to grow in 2020? Is it, is it your prayer life? Is it your Bible reading time? And what does it look like to get a plan together? Something that I will never ap- apologize for. This will cost you money. You might need to buy commentaries or books or different, and I w- you know, shoot me an email uh, or someone that you trust, your life group leader, one of our elders. Hey, I want to grow in this area. What are some things that I can buy and do to begin to practice this? I promise you, friends, uh, this will help you develop your level of intimacy in your life. Um, it has for me and, and so many others of my friends, and that's really a prayer that I have for you this year. So what we'd like to invite you to do is to grab your prayer card and to write out a simple prayer to God. It could be something that Jesus said in his sermon. It could be one of the letters of Acts, whatever it is. What, what is your prayer uh, for 2020? And here's what we'd like you to do. We're going to do this every week throughout this series with different types of prayers. We encourage you right now to write this prayer out, and then you can post it on the cork boards around this room. The first service has already done this. And then after you're done posting the cork board, we have um, four communion stations, two in the front and two in the back, that you could spend some time communing with Jesus and thanking him for the cross in the sense of that we don't have to wear a mask and we don't have to ramble when we pray because we already know where we're going and the love of God is developing in us a confidence to be to be in his presence. So let me pray and we'll invite you to move to write your prayer, post it on the board, and take communion. Uh, and there's a really cool thing that we're going to do at the end of the series that I think will hopefully Uh, help us pray for each other as a church. Jesus, thanks so much for a new series, a new beginning, a new year. Uh, Thanks, God, that you um, love teaching us your scriptures uh, cognitively, but you also want to engage our hearts relationally. Uh, And we thank you that um, the disciples are allowed to ask a question. And I think a lot of times in religion, we're afraid to ask questions because we don't want to look stupid we're afraid, like, what will the pastor or the church leader say? But you, you're, you're just ready to help us. You want to learn how to pray? Sure, I'll, I'll show you how to pray. Yeah, j- j- just come to me. Be yourself. You don't have to ramble. Just say what you want. You don't have to worry about the words being correct or if I'm going to be upset with you or surprised. We thank you for your cross to Jesus that gives us the confidence to come to you that we can be good and bad in the presence of love and that's not going to push you away from us. And so I want to pray right now for my friends here that they would sense your spirit inviting them to write a prayer out on a card and to post it to to the walls. And I pray that your spirit would be in the midst of us as we practice communion, a reminder that you died for us and for our sins. And you made a way that religion couldn't make, sacrifices couldn't make, the prophets couldn't make, only you, Jesus, could make for us. And that's a way back to the Father. It's in your name that we pray, amen.